Wings Things podcast. I'm Bart Winkler. Eric Name is with me today of the Locked On Bucks podcast. You are still doing that, yes? I, I'm still doing the Locked On Bucks podcast. Yes. Okay, Eric's with the Athletic now. Uh, the Athletic Wisconsin. Congratulations on your move. Thank you, sir. Now, when the Locked On Bucks podcast, do you guys have a fancy intro? Do we have a fancy intro? Yeah. Um, I mean, like we had we had one of our listeners say that he wanted to make a song for the show, like for the intro. So he is like actually in a band and used like professional recording oh. and stuff. And like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a song and has some like Ted Davis calls laid over the top of it. It's it's pretty good. You can do that. No one stopped me. Like, I, I don't. Know. I don't know. Around I, here, it's like I can air whatever I want on the radio. <laughs> but if I call it a podcast, like even if we do it on demand, yeah. You take the radio, put it on demand, whatever you want. I'm using I'm using sound bites that I don't even know we have permission to. Sure. Sure. No, on the podcast, typically, you know, we we credit if we do use some audio, like we credit whoever had it and then also most of the time I'm physically there for audio, so like I can do all of that. And then music-wise, on a podcast, I definitely can't use like songs. But since this person made this song for us, okay. I can use that, if that makes any sense. Because Entercom sent us an email and they were like... Oh, you definitely can't use other music because then someone could just like grab that from the podcast that they downloaded and then they would have that song, like they would be able to have it. No, no. Entercom sent us an email that says, hey, you know how that's already true, what you said? We also have an Entercom music library. Okay. You can't use that either on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what the... F- Oh, you can swear on these. Okay. I don't know if I'm gonna. Okay. But you So yeah, and then I can swear on these. <laughs> no, I don't You can't use music. You can't use our own licensed music. I'll say I probably won't drop an F bomb at any point because I'm I've gotten pretty good at keeping those out of my podcasting, but I, I might drop a shit or two. Well there it is. Congratulations. Uh Eric's got the book One Hundred Things Bucks fans should know and do before they die. Now you've been alive for maybe half of the Bucks history, I would say, yeah, maybe a little more, roughly. But I mean, even with saying half, I mean, I, do you really comprehend anything in sports until like age ten? No. Pro- so you've been aware for about a third. Of yeah. Your so, life? so like I like in my mind going into writing this book, I was like, okay, I feel comfortable with Bucks history, starting with the big three Bucks. Because mm-hmm. that would have been like right when I was like nine, ten, eleven, like in that area, like that would have been when the big three bucks started. So I feel confident about everything from there. It was everything before where it was like, okay, I need to read everything possible about everything I'm going to write. Like I need to go to Old Sports Illustrated. I need to go through the Journal Sentinel archives. Like I need to go and find this information because otherwise I will just be like BSing that entire time like oh this is the thing that sort of happened like no and I would have felt terrible about it when like Ted Davis reads the book or something he's like what the hell were you talking about like this this is not how this happened like what why did you think or Jim Paschke like Jim Paschke is like what do you no man like Like, why didn't you talk to me (laughs) like why why didn't you come to me for this so like I, I I will say like the one thing that I was I mean, there's a couple things I was really scared about with this book, but one was like, don't talk out of your ass. Like, find a way that you can actually feel like you have some level of knowledge that you like all these, I would say all these things I wrote about are very well researched. Like every chapter is very well researched. I feel, I feel more than comfortable standing behind my research. I And if you want to say, well, you didn't live that time. 
I agree. I, I was not alive in 1971. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to try to tell you. I'm actually secretly 60 years. I'm trying to think how old I'd have to be. 60, 61. I'm not. I, I, I will tell you that I'm not. Uh, but it, that was a big part of it was trying to figure out, like, you know, how do you how do you speak with confidence about something that you didn't live through? Was it more fun for you to do that or to relive the stuff that you knew already that you lived? I think the stuff that I lived a lot of the times, like I would just start writing and then like kind of fact check myself afterwards. If that makes any sense, I'd be yeah. like, oh yeah, I remember like I was in the building for this, this comeback in game six against the Raptors where they didn't, they came back, but then they didn't win the game. Like I remember all this, like I can write with some, some level of confidence. And then I found myself like, okay, well, I got, I guess I kind of misremembered that or like there would be like a small detail that wasn't quite right. So then to me, it ended up kind of being kind of being a pain where I was like, okay, I have to check my own memories and see if my own memories were actually right because memories aren't always accurate. So like I had to go through and, no. and do all that. And it actually ended up being a, a, a spot where I was like a little bit uncomfortable with my memory. It was like, dude, dude, like this is three years ago. Like how, how do you not? Yeah, re- dude. Like how, how do you not- Memory's hard. <laughs> like how do you not remember this with more detail? Uh, so it, it, to me, it ended up being a little bit easier for all of the stuff that I was researching. Cause uh, obviously I've, I went to college, I've written papers before. Like that's what each chapter became like, okay, like find a bunch of sources and write, kind of what happened and if you can listen to some interviews that have happened about the game like from players that were in it like try to get as much of that stuff in there as possible was it hard to come up with a hundred or did you leave stuff out i think by the end there's there's a couple things i left out and it was like largely because one thing that i left out was i had a couple more yana stories but the one thing I wanted to accomplish in this book was like, I wanted to tell the history of the Bucks. And at this point in his career, Giannis is five years in, he's had a couple all NBA appearances, but if his career goes like Sidney Moncrief's, well, the, it, it could just end. Like his knees could go bad, whatever. Like Sidney Moncrief had a, a streak of five all NBA teams and five all defensive teams in the eighties. Like that was five straight years of those two things. Like he was incredible, but then his knees, just went out on him and surgeries back then sucked. Uh, So it screwed up his knees even more. So then in my mind, it was like, okay, at this point, at this moment, when I write this book, like I can, I I can dedicate as much time to Giannis as I did like these other stars. But at this point, I can't do it quite yet. Do I think he's going to be the best buck in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, I do. But at this point, I can't be like, okay, 10 chapters for Giannis. Well, is he ten percent of Bucks history? No, probably not. Like he's probably closer to five percent, and I would say that's about where how many stories I had. So that was one of the cuts. And then I told Frank this on Lockdown Bucks last week, but my my hardest cut was in so the Bucks oh two thousand two thousand one team makes the run of the Eastern Conference Finals oh one oh two. Everything goes to shit. Yeah. Everything goes to shit. Everyone hates everyone. George Carl is like poking everyone, making fun of their defense. They never play hard, all this stuff. It's a theme with Bucks coaches through the years. Uh, it is. It is indeed. So, the, the just kid. massive hatred of their own players. <laughs> uh, so, that was. What's that about? <laughs> uh, but, like, 
everyone in Milwaukee loved him. He, like it was total cult of the coach stuff where everyone was like, George Carl knows what he's doing. We just won a playoff series. Like we just went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like he knows what he's doing. And it was just tearing the team apart. So everyone's pissed off. And in 2002, Jordan on the Wizards goes for, oh my gosh, I, I can't remember how many he went for that game. I, I think it was 31 through three quarters. Uh, and right in the second half, uh, near the end of the third quarter, Sam Cassell doesn't get a call, grabs it, and punts it. Just punts <laughs> the basketball. And I love that story. Like, I remember seeing it as a kid, and I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, someone got so frustrated during a basketball game that to make a point to his coach that was pissing him off, to the refs that weren't making the calls, he decided to punt a basketball into the stands. And it was awesome. But unfortunately... Believe it or not, people don't want to talk about the moment where they punted a basketball into the stands. So, like, I had Sam Cassell and got to talk to him about, like, the Light It Up song and stuff like that. And then, like, I tried to transition to uh, talking to him about punting a basketball. And, like, it was a little bit more difficult and he didn't want to talk about that as much. And then all of a sudden, hey, I have assistant coach duties that I need to go do. Okay. Message sent loud and clear. I get it. Like, we we won't talk about that part. And also, like, that's that's not a game story you write. Like, so as I was researching it, like... It's it's like a footnote you put in your game notes. Like Jordan went for thirty some points. Like he killed them. The Bucks like suck at this point. Like everything's going terribly wrong here in this season. But like you didn't dedicate a whole game story to Sam Cassell punting a basketball. So like eventually we got to a spot where like I didn't have quite enough for it. Like all those things I've been talking about. Like it was well researched. Right. Like I had a lot of either first hand accounts or second hand accounts. Like. I didn't have enough for that, so I had to yank that chapter at the end, and it still kind of hurts me. So I'm kind of hoping on the like the revision of this book, like maybe somehow I can sneak that back in there as well as when I like sneak in like five more chapters about Giannis, and and then we can do it again. But that was like that was the cut that hurt me the most because it was just like a moment in my childhood. Like that next week, I <laughs> went I went to my practice for like my basketball tournament team and punted a basketball. Like there's no doubt I did that. Like. We all did that because we thought it was hilarious. And obviously we got in trouble because punting basketballs around a gym and hitting banners and stuff like isn't a good look for anyone. But I definitely did that. So uh, that one hurt me like to my core that I couldn't include that. So that one's out and Bango's backflip is in. Yes. Dude, but, that but, was that was coming up this last postseason. All anyone wanted to talk about was his back foot, and I was at that game where he was. It, uh, it was insane. How high was he? Like ten feet above the. Yeah, I, I think it was like a rim. Two, I think twenty foot ladder or so. He's just they're like, hey, he's gonna do a new f- dunk, and then what the? F- he does a backflip off a ladder, and he made it. But the the thing about that was like, I was not ready to write that chapter. I didn't think that was gonna be something. That, so I'm getting ready to talk to ba- like talk about. Bango. If you're just joining us, we're gonna talk about every chapter here. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you don't read the book. <laughs> but I was looking up stuff about Bango and thinking about like, okay, you know, what are some interesting things? And then I was thinking, oh, backflip, like, duh, that's going to be a part of this chapter about Bango. And then there was like all of this source material, like three stories had been written about it. Like I had all the details about how the guy that played Bango decided the day of that he was going to do it. Hadn't done this trick before, uh, decided the day of that he was going to do it, had to go pick up the ladder himself, like brought it in, in his pickup truck, like brought his pickup truck. And all of a sudden he's like going out to like test stuff. Like essentially what they tell him is like, Hey, you have 
you have this, like you have second quarter, whatever. So you have this time. I think this was the first time out of that game. So first time out, first quarter, this, you have stunt time or you, you need to do something to entertain the crowd. And that's it. Like, those are your directions. So essentially, he just has to like clear it with someone and be like, hey, um, I'm going to do a backflip off a 20-foot ladder <laughs> and dunk it. So... What do how, I need to sign? How do you guys feel about Draft that? Draft something up for me <laughs> so, on a napkin. So that was essentially what he did. And yeah, it, it turned into a chapter because it was very interesting. Like I, As I wrote the chapter, I was like, shit, I didn't know any of this. Like This yeah. is crazy. And then it was like, okay... That means you get to be one of the 100 chapters. Is there a chapter about how the shock that envelops you the first time you see Bango shirtless and he's actually jacked? Like, what a level of detail on a mascot (laughs) to make him cut when he takes his shirt off. So I'm curious. Do you think there is a cut top of Bango? So, like, there's... Because obviously, like, this is a whole costume. So do you think that's what it always looks like under there? Or do they know on the nights where they need the cut bango, where he's going to take his shirt off, that's when it comes out? No, I would think they always default to one, wouldn't you? I I mean, I think it would be more cost-effective. It'd be easier to produce. You'd think. I just remember the first time he took his shirt off. Did you see Bernie Bernie Brewer took his hat off? Yeah, what is that? I didn't even know that was possible. I know. So I have so that like kind of opened my eyes up to you know maybe I'm not thinking enough about all of the things that they do with mascots because I, I would have never guessed so that's why I thought maybe there's two bangos there's a, a cut yeah. there's a cut bango and then there's just like the normal bango that has the jersey on over the top because there are two Bernies that's the there's one that stays up in the slide is there and there's another that walks around wow yeah and they make sure never to have them appear at the same time. Huh. At least that's what I was told. I I, th- I would buy it because how does he get? Yeah, he can't go all those places. Up to, and then I, I've I've traversed Miller Park during a game, and I know all of the secret tunnels and all the ways to get around. And you couldn't move around that quickly. So one hundred uh, things Bucks fans should know and do before they die. Eric name. Uh, we haven't talked. I mean, there's a championship in their history, long time ago, back when Eric was a young baby, sixty years old now. <laughs> This team, uh, you're covering for the athletic. Yes. You'll be a road warrior. I will be. Are you excited about that? Yeah, I am pretty excited about it. I think it's the thing that's like, it's very, I went to St. Louis for a Brewer game and then Wrigley. Yeah. They The two games that they celebrated over the last couple of weeks. And I was like, I'm still recovering from that. Yeah. And so I think that traveling on the road is something that seems... Very romantic and yes. very neat. Very and then much I so. think like three weeks from now, I'm going like, to be sucks, dead. Man. Yeah. And, and like the the thing about it is Matt was telling me this story. Uh, Matt Velasco, the journal Sentinel, he was telling me the story the other uh, last year. But like a week, I think it had been like two months in. They had like their first like long road trip. He was in San Antonio and Delhi saw him and it was just like, How you holding up, mate? or something like that. And Matt's like, oh, Matt, I'm pretty tired. And Delhi's like, Yeah, dude, he's like, You fly commercial. Like, how how do you do that? Like he's like, I'm exhausted and we have our own plane. <laughs> he's like, You're you're trying to traverse like airports, figure yeah. out like when your layovers are gonna be. He's like, I don't have to worry about any of that. I hop on the plane when the game's over. And so you have to worry about that. So yes, I, I 
like I'm excited because that means I get to cover the team to oh, yeah. an even greater level. That means I get more access. Like it, it means a lot of good things for my work overall, but it also means like oh, I have to go to 41 road games and right. I have to figure out how to put all this together. And on a West Coast roadie, like, okay, you got four games to hit, but they're all in different cities and, you know, you got to figure out when your layovers are going to work and, oh, they're going to do practices in between those. So are you going to be able to make those practices or is your flight's going to screw you over or how, do, how does all this work? So, like, there's there's a bunch of other stuff in, in the week that I've been at The Athletic. I've figured out uh, just how big of a pain in the ass all, a number of those things are going to be, but that's okay. Like, I... I'm very excited to get to do it because it's going to make my work way better. Well, and a beat writer for an NBA team. I mean, I got to think you've been working towards that for a long time. I'm yes, I'm very happy to to be in this spot of my career. So I'm I'm very happy to to be there. Erica, one time intern at twelve fifty, one time part timer at twelve fifty as well. Uh, fun fact: If you're a part timer, you're basically an intern here. That is correct, yes. <laughs> yeah, so sorry about that. This year's team, uh, we're going to have you on throughout the season. We're going to have a lot of questions for you. Uh, one is going to be, this thing that Giannis said, does that mean he's leaving or does that mean <laughs> he's staying? Okay, since I brought it up, he's just got to stop saying anything. I just, I don't want him to say, look, and I, I'm starting to believe him. I believe that he wants to be here. Now, will he... We'll find out. But what I don't like is that he's saying things without being asked. Like, he'll just go to social media and say, Oh, I just want to remind everyone I love Milwaukee. Like, that. thanks, dude. But this is just more that we can get mad at you about later. So I just wish he didn't say any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really tough spot to be a superstar. Like, And I don't say that with any sarcasm, even though that sounded extremely sarcastic. But like, it, it is very difficult because <laughs> you know at some point like, someone's going to say, hey, we're going to give you a Supermax. And that means, like, okay, so for Giannis, that'll mean uh, in the fifth year of that deal, he's making like $45 million. Uh that seems difficult to turn down. Yeah. Uh, but also other teams are going to offer you a whole bunch of money. And those other teams may be in uh, more flashy locales than Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And maybe that's something he likes. Maybe it's something he doesn't like. But when all that happens, like it's a ways away. There's three years before that would happen. So like, I don't know how you try to get through that interim kind of period because if you're just like eh, whatever Milwaukee's fine like, yeah people are gonna be like screw you man Milwaukee's great why would you say that are you gonna leave and if he says I love Milwaukee it's awesome everyone's gonna be like oh that's bullshit you're gonna leave because everyone leaves like so like there's just not there's not a I don't think there's a way to win in that situation it's weird and I think it's the state of the NBA that we are obsessing three years out because I mean, with Rodgers and his contract, he still had a few years left and nobody seemed to care. I mean, it'd be like, you know how absurd it would be if right now we start talking about, will Christian Yelich stay in three years? Yeah, it'd be absurd. It'd be absurd. It would be absolutely absurd. So what are we doing now? And I think the big thing is, is that I don't know that any of us do it. Like I, I have spent very little time on Locked on Bucks or in my writing talking about Giannis leaving I I've talked about it when some blowhard has mentioned the idea of it or like me just now 
or someone <laughs> nationally because nationally is when it comes up a lot. Yeah, is it, like ESPN had their like season preview of stuff and is like, oh, let's look at the drama in the NBA and the drama in Milwaukee was like. Oh, is Giannis going to leave this subpar supporting cast? And I was like, "What the hell are you talking about? Like, this is the most talented team they've had in a long time." And again, are they the Warriors? No. Are they the Celtics? No. But are they on the next tier of teams? Yes, pretty clearly. And again, that means you have to think Chris Middleton's a top thirty player, which he very clearly is. But a lot of people don't think that way. You have to think Eric Bledsoe's a top fifty player, which again, he's probably very clearly a top fifty player. But people don't think that way. You have to think Brooke Lopez is a top one hundred player. Malcolm Brown is a top one hundred player. You have to think all of those things, which I think are almost undeniably true. All of those things are almost undeniably true. But you don't want to think that from the outside because you want to think about, oh, my gosh, what if Giannis gets to play yeah. with KD, who talks about him every other day for some reason? Well, it's kind does. of a weird obsession that I don't really understand. So maybe he's going to go to the Warriors or something like that. Like People want to talk about it, but it's three years away. The Bucks, well, the Bucks are going to be able to offer him more money than anyone else. And this is, this is the big thing that I talk about with all this. So when you see players leaving the NBA, you see these super teams join. What is one of the things that you hear? You hear about these guys having a relationship. You hear about these guys texting. And almost always you hear about these guys hanging out at Team USA functions. You know who isn't on Team USA? Giannis. Uh, Giannis. Giannis is not on Team USA. He plays for the Greek national team. And... I mean, maybe there's a Nick Calathis super team to be made at some point. Maybe Nick Calathis and Giannis <laughs> are going to team up yeah. to, because they hang out together Come on, on a Greek national cool. team. <laughs> but like, there isn't there isn't that kind of connection for Giannis. Like, there isn't going to be someone out there that's like, oh yeah, Giannis and I hung out for a month this summer when we were qualifying for the Olympics. Like, that doesn't exist because that doesn't happen on the Greece team. So that to me, it's. It's what both limits Giannis from finding another star to recruit to Milwaukee because he doesn't have that time with guys. And also what keeps him in Milwaukee because no one can recruit him because he's a lunatic. And like he's, I, I always call him a Kobe level lunatic. Like the, the only things this dude cares about is family and basketball. That's it. And that means he'll go to the Greek national team and he'll play for a little bit. That means he'll spend a month in Greece and work out there. That means he will do everything in solitary confinement because he's crazy. Like, there's no time for recruiting when you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I missed five more shots than I should have during my morning session. I'm going to have to really clean that up during my afternoon session. Like, I I don't know that the biggest thing is I don't know who's recruiting him and where he's going because... There's going to be more money in Milwaukee. There's going to be more years in Milwaukee. Yeah, the Supermax is huge. The Supermax is monstrous, especially when you make two All-NBA teams in two of the three years beforehand, which Giannis is almost certainly going to do. Uh, so the Supermax is huge. I, as long, I, I will say this again and again and again. I think as long as the Bucks offer the Supermax, which is the, the biggest no-brainer in the history of no-brainers, but sometimes teams screw that up. High Spurs, maybe you should give him quite his money. Um, but sometimes <laughs> teams screw that up. So the Bucks aren't going to screw that up. They're going to give him the Supermax. The Bucs need to improve as a basketball team. They fired Jason Kidd and hired Mike Budenholzer. They're going to do that. I I don't know. Like it, there's going to be way more money. There's going to be a good team. I, I'm not sure what more you would need. You know who I think is leaving will be KD. I think he will go to LA. I want him to go to the Knicks. I don't. Why? 
because I think it would be better for basketball. Well, for basketball, yeah. Like, if you can get... I know Kyrie says he's not leaving the Celtics, but if you can get KD and someone in New York, then all of a sudden, like, everything has kind of been evened out. Like, the Warriors with Steph, Draymond, and Clay, still a very good basketball team. They won a title. That'd be a very good basketball team. Oh, they also won 72 games in his season. Like, they, they were very good. So... They can they can stick together. Those three can stick together. You get KD to go to New York. You get someone else to go to New York. I don't know. Pick some other star. I don't really care. Jimmy Butler, whatever. Uh, you have them go over there. Then the Knicks are better, but like the 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 playing field is evened because then there's like no super team left. Like you just need to get that LeBron can find someone, and then you have a good team in the Lakers. You have a good team in the Warriors. You have a good team in the Bucks and the Celtics, and uh, you have a good team in like the Knicks or the Sixers, maybe one of them pops. Like, yeah, they- I just think that I'm glad you're even entertaining this because a lot of times I'll say I think KD is going to leave Golden State, and then someone says, "Well, why would he ever leave that?" Twenty years from now, when they honor, when they bring everyone back to honor these teams, KD's getting introduced fourth. Yep, they're going to go Steph, and then Draymond, and then Clay. And then KD, even though this guy won two NBA Finals MVPs, they don't, don't win. They, they don't, don't win them without him. No, they don't win either of those finals without. But him. Warriors fans won't like him. But he's fourth because he came late. Also, I've never seen someone as good as him not get any reaction out of fans. <laughs> yeah, None. like no. Do, do you know someone who hates? KD. Well, there's people that hated him. We took a lot of calls about people that hated him because but he left. They don't hate KD. They hate that he left. They hate that he left. Like no one is like, oh, KD, man, he's so overrated. No one says that. Everyone's like, yeah, KD's awesome. He's a great basketball See, player. This is what uh, Giannis. This is what's going to work for Giannis in terms of the national outlook. And what hurt KD is because everyone wants superstars to win, like how Jordan won. Everyone right. wants a guy. To not just be with a team and then win, but to struggle and to make a little progress every year and then win with that team. And Durant didn't do that, which pissed people off, and I don't get why. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I don't think it's a fair way to look at how basketball should should happen, quote-unquote. And then we judge people by titles, and they get mad when they go try to get one. Yes, but I mean, I think when you think about the narrative of Kevin Durant, like it's going to be, you got to go get one for yourself. Like you just got to do it because otherwise everyone, and all I can think of is Stu Gotts talking about his personal record book right now. Uh, but in his personal record book, Kevin Durant doesn't have any titles because that's what we're going to say. Like you went to this super team. You don't get credit for these. So if, if he cares as much about what people think as he's, Obviously shown he cares about how much people think. Hi, Burner Twitter account. That was a good idea. But why Uh, do we... Go ahead. Like, he very clearly cares what people think of him. Very clearly. Why do we act like he's David West, though? Like, David West goes there to get titles. Kevin Durant, they don't win the titles without him. That's correct. So why don't we give him credit for that? The Warriors got into a LeBron James hole where they realized they couldn't beat a LeBron James team. So they needed to get a guy who was like LeBron James. And the closest thing they found of that was Kevin Durant. And so then they beat him. Yeah. Like, so why are we mad at him? 
And why did I don't know why we start talking about this? Maybe because I like the Warriors more than the Bucks secretly because of my not brother. So secretly, like you're not gonna keeping it secret. Well, now that the Warriors have won, but if there if the Bucks made a title and the Warriors didn't, yeah, if they would be playing for the first time, I do not know what I would do because that's my family on the line. Yeah, that's my brother in the organization. Screw him against the team I like. Screw him. I'd probably screw the. I did not like twenty four and one. I know that's a chapter in <laughs> this is. book. I did not like that. Yeah, I was pissed that the Bucks won that game. It's pretty wild because I was I was at a wedding that night and we like broke away to go watch the end. And I thought this team doesn't deserve to be the team that beats the Warriors. <laughs> so I was like mad at the Bucks for that reason. <laughs> so I'm like a terrible fan. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's very clear that you are. Uh, this Bucks team, yes. I think a lot of money. I was just reading this. A lot of money's coming in on Giannis winning the MVP. Yep. A lot of money's coming in on the over, which I think is forty-eight. Start at forty-six and a half, and it's up to forty-eight. They were very careful not to talk at media day about expectations, but they've got expectations, and I think just in watching the preseason games, and I shouldn't do this. But my expectations for them watching the preseason games have risen quite a bit in seeing, okay, they're going to shoot 45 threes a game. They're probably going to win at least 45 games. Then 50 is not out of the question. Is it wrong to get too much into the preseason? No. Am I reading too much? Nope. Uh, I I mean, they're not going to score 143 a game. Um, But let's let's think about a couple things. I mean, Henson's taking threes. Giannis has taken pull up threes. So let's let's Lopez of, changes this team way more than I think we gave credit for at the signing. I thought that might have been the best signing of the summer across the league. Because well, it like let a team that couldn't do what they want to do do what they want to do. And also they gave the team that had arguably the worst center production in the league a legitimate center. Like you you're bad if John Henson and Don Maker are your centers. You're good if Brooke Lopez and John Henson and maybe sometimes Thon Maker like are your centers. So like they improved a lot. So I, I guess th- this is the stuff that I'll look at. 45 threes. That's how many they shot the other night. They hit 28 uh, against the Wolves. So when you go through these numbers, um, or maybe it was 25. I can't remember. I'm bad with numbers. Um, when you go through all this stuff, in their first preseason game against the Bulls, they would have set a franchise record for threes attempted at 45 by nine, nine threes. <laughs> and they set that record last year. They shot 36 a couple times last year. So that would be a new franchise record in threes taken. Uh, they have then broken the record with 48 uh, this past Friday. So Friday against the Wolves, it took 48. They made 25, which would be an NBA record for threes made in a game. <laughs> And in that game where they did that, they scored 84 points in the first half. In four games last year, they didn't score 84 points for the game. For the game, they didn't score 84 points. I told Giannis about that on Saturday, and he just looked at me and he goes, what? I said, yeah, four times last year, you guys didn't score 84. You scored 84 in the first half. He goes, man, that's crazy. That's cra- That is crazy, man. He's like, look... So you see what I'm saying? You see how easy, like you see how easy it is for us. And I'm like, yes, everyone sees it. It looks incredibly easy. Yeah. So like this team offensively 
they didn't even have that much room to grow offensively. Like they were the seventh best offense in the league last year. And they're going to be way better offensively this year. Like they're a top three to five offense this year because they've finally given Giannis space. They've finally figured out that, Oh, it's 2018. We should shoot threes. Um, and they don't have a coach who says, you know, would that be a way to win games? Like, yeah, man. Like every time I asked about threes, well, you know, we got to be able to make them. No, you don't. You just got to shoot them. Like, you know, Jason Kidd, I feel like he did. I feel like when, um, like you guys would ask him questions. Sure. I feel like he would, uh, give you an answer and then go home and not watch game tape, <laughs> but watch his answers to your questions. <laughs> And, like, enjoy it. Like, he was – they always say that uh, when people in politics are doing an audience of one, they mean the president. Uh, I think Kid was doing that, too, only his audience was himself later that night. Yeah. I, I, he, I would say he took some joy out of some of the performative art that he did. But uh, nobody else did. Like, no. he was doing that for his own no, yeah. self. Yeah, he, he enjoyed it. I, I will say he enjoyed it. And there were times where he dunked on me in pregame and that was fine, but he definitely enjoyed that. Like that was, that was something that he did, which is again, totally fine. It's part of the, it's part of the gig. Like, should we call him? I got his number. No, I don't, I don't think that would be a great idea. Um, I was going to add him on Snapchat, but cause every time I go to people to add on Snapchat, <laughs> cause he's in my phone, Jason kid's face and he uses the big face emoji. Nice. That's that's apt. Um, <laughs> like, so, if you wanted to send them one, we could do that later. So, in in my mind, I think this Bucks team last year they won forty four games, right? And I only got it because I saw it. Someone I didn't like. They. I got it nefarious. They were better than a forty four win team. They were oh be- yeah, they were better than that last year. Like they underperformed last year. And then on top of that, not only did they underperform, you now have a coach who regularly gets the most out of his team and gets more out of his team than many would expect. So, oh, I uh, think he's off Snapchat. Oh man, it's disappointing. Sorry, you I, had your chance. Shit, he is gone. I was just going to show you his face. You had it. You had your chance. You blew it. Maybe he changed his number because of people like you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, would, that would make sense. All right, it was six. Four. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I've been saying since the moment Mike Boonehoser got hired that this is a 50 win team. And, and I've said that with confidence and people know that I've said that with confidence on Friday night. I had people tweeting me asking, do you want to bump that up to 55? And I don't like, I'm not comfortable with doing that quite yet. Like, but they're going to win 50 games this year. Like this team is going to be much better offensively. And the, the, the funny thing about the offense is they don't even do anything that complicated. Like there isn't JJ Reddick sets put in for Chris Middleton where he's like running all over the floor. Like there's no clay Thompson, Steph Curry, like split cuts, all this stuff. Like they are just running simple basketball. Like we've all tweeted out the picture of the blue squares on the practice floor. Now, like that's what they're doing. They're literally filling those five spots. And if you freeze frame any bucks game at any moment, you're going to see five guys in those five spots all five out around the three-point line, and you're just going to see all this space. And it's simple. It, like There's nothing, and, and I don't, I don't want 
I don't want to sound dismissive of the drastic change that this is, but like there isn't anything super complex about what they're doing. They're essentially spacing the floor. They run some pretty basic actions and they get people open because they have a bunch of uber talented offensive players that have just never been in an offensive system that takes advantage of that. Defensively, there's still questions, but they're going to score a whole bunch of points. And if the defense improves slightly from their 18th finish last year and you have a top three to five offense and a top 10 to 14 defense, you win 50 games. Would there have been any room, and I know the answer to this already, for Jabari on this team with this coach? I think I think the the most disappointing thing about Jabari Parker is that you're not going to get to see what he would look like under a new coach. That that was that to me was always kind of if there was a a light at the end of the tunnel to be had about Jabari Parker was that okay at some point. He's going to get rid of this Jason Kidd coaching staff. Like He isn't going to get rid of it, but he'll be ridded right. of, of the Jason Kidd coaching staff. He'll get a new coaching staff that's going to see him for who he may be or what he could be, and you're going to get to see him really have some fun and, and get to kind of be in a more wide-open offense. And it's disappointing that that guy gets to be Fred Hoiberg instead of Mike Boonholzer, but looking at what Jabari's done with Fred Hoiberg, um, looking at the shape that he appears to be in, uh, maybe I, I don't ever want to know the answer to that question because it doesn't look like he was the most committed in the off season. And I mean, I think this is a problem that a lot of people in the Bucks organization had was that like Giannis goes in and works out and works out and works out. Jabari, as he's getting ready to return from a second ACL, tells, I forgot who it was, Jordan Cohn, maybe at the ringer, like, man, I just play pickup. Like, I just go out there and, like, I just want to hoop. And so, like, I go out and I play pickup, and it's like, that's not how you get better in the NBA. Yeah. Like, you're a great pickup player already. Like, you don't need to work on that. Like, you need to work on all the things that are going to get you better. Like, you need to work on your body. Like, you need to do all of those things. And it just never appeared that he had that type of commitment and certainly not the type of commitment that Giannis has because he's a lunatic about this stuff. So, like, I, you, you didn't even need to be at that level. Like, just be at a level where you're doing more of those things. And, you know, when you see him show up uh, for the Bulls and he looks a little overweight, like, he looks like his condition isn't the best. Like, he still looks very confused defensively. Like, all of those things that you were concerned about, like... Yeah, that that might not have worked out in Milwaukee. You know, they do it. They tank a whole season, tank, whatever. No, they tried, sure. But then they get Jabari at two, and the franchise is clearly going a certain way. And along the way, they just say, eh, we'll just draft this kid from Greece. And then he ends up being, like what you just said, not only just a good raw player, but just a completely different type of athlete in terms of uh, mental. Yep. The mental portion of it and the the bigger that Giannis got it like really did shove Jabari out and, of the way and I mean I feel terrible for Jabari like I I truly do because uh, his career we, we never really got to see what his career was going to be and, and maybe he was always destined to have bad ACLs maybe there's something in his genes I, I have no idea but he gets a couple injuries and like I, I'm just thinking through you get that first ACL tear and then you're the face of the franchise. It's your franchise. You're the guy. You're like You got drafted two overall. Number of people said maybe you could have got drafted number one overall. But you get, you're the number two pick. It's my team. It's my franchise, man. 
They take a chance on this kid from Greece. All of a sudden, by the time you come back from your first ACL tear, it's like, maybe this kid can play a little bit. Like, maybe he's been pretty good while you were out, Jabari. Like, I think he's okay. And then all of a sudden, that third year that Giannis has, it's like, oh, he's not just okay. Like, he's better than you, Jabari. Like, and then by the se- by the time the second ACL tear he's recovered from, they built a new arena because of the guy. Yeah. Like, okay. And like you're no longer the face of the Jabari franchise. Jabari wasn't building any new arenas. No. No, he was not. And Giannis does. And Giannis is what Giannis is. And it, it I, I feel terrible for him because that, that wasn't how it should have gone. And, you know, like the script, if you're writing it, it's not that he tears his ACL twice. Maybe it's that he tears his ACL once, he comes back, and then he's like a 20-point-per-game scorer, which he kind of was doing after that first ACL tear. But a second one, I I feel terrible for the kid. So, like, I can understand from his vantage point the appeal of a fresh start somewhere because, yeah, that that seems like something you would want. But if there was no Giannis, I mean, they're probably still building the team around him. Yes. And like around, hey, we know he's coming back stronger than ever. Come on down. We're going to play at the Bradley Center. And no, they'd be playing at Key Arena out in Seattle. But yeah, like that, that would that would be kind of how it would go. Come on down and see Jabari Parker and Matthew Dellavedova and the <laughs> Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that, that, I don't know. It, like, it's, it's tough. Like, it, it is. You you never want to see someone's career go like that. Are you saying if the Bucks don't draft Giannis, they're in Seattle? Hmm. No, probably not. Like, I think ownership still probably buys the team, and they still get stuff done. Like, I didn't. Th- I mean, th- there was some hairy moments in like the Bucks new arena and the possibility of it actually getting done, but eventually it got done, and I think ownership would have been as adamant about it because one they wanted to keep the team because if they didn't get it done and they had a move they didn't get to keep the team anymore right uh in two buying an nba team's a good investment um it makes a lot of money like if you think about how much they bought that team for like, yeah but it makes the most money when you sell it sure but until then you get to have a really cool hobby where hey i own an nba team like, I can show up and sit courtside. That seems pretty cool, right? Like, that doesn't sound bad if you're a sports fan, like, owning an NBA team, right? I just think that they need to keep it. And I've tried to yell on this on the air that we get it. I mean, if I bought an NBA team, I would want to run everything, too. Yeah. I mean, I would want all the power. I would want my face on the jersey. Yeah, same. But... If the team's actually going to be good, I just, you, you got to get out of the way. You got you got to get out of the way a little bit. Like I think Atanasio got out of the way for Stearns, but the Bucks I don't think Do have you think like you a, did it for Doug. Um, because that's the more interesting question, I think. Because you can easily get out of the way for Stearns. You know, you have this team for what whatever been at that point ten years. Yeah, what, I don't know. Would Doug want him to throw all that money at Supon, Loesch, and Garza? I would guess maybe not. You know? 
so I will say that like this is a process. Like you, I think you, as an owner, when you first get there, you're like, yes. I but then there's a weird team. thing like, of like, let me get into this. Like, there's this gonna... there's two of us, sure, and right. only one guy's in control. Sure, the governor's seat stuff is, and they downplayed it, sure. and they will. But Eric, it, outside it's, of that, it's, it's a real thing. Outside of media day, it's a real thing. I don't see them together. I, I can't speculate on any of that. Uh, like, I have no idea if they are together. Like, uh, believe it or not, I don't hang out in New York at all the places rich people hang out. I don't do that. I thought it was interesting in the playoffs. One guy shows up with Aaron Rodgers. So the next day, the next guy shows up with Bill Clinton. <laughs> like, hey, look at me. I got, you got Rodgers. I got a president. <laughs> I don't know if that was, uh, competitive or more like just a collective flex from the organization like hey this is this is what we got i don't know okay that's fine i'm trying to assume the worst that's fair i think that's totally fair but I, w- my larger point is that i don't know that adnacio was as out of the way as he is now because i think with david stearns you found someone that you really believe in and yeah. you said hey you know what my team isn't very good we need to rebuild, so let's get a smart guy in here. Let's let him try to figure this out. And then all of a sudden, two years in, you're like, whoa, he's really smart. I, like, How can I empower you? How can I help you do even more? Because you're really smart, and you're making my team look really good. So maybe you have to wait for the Bucks to find that guy at GM, where it's just like, yep, this guy gets it. Like, we- Are you saying they haven't yet? I think the jury would still be out on John Horst. <laughs> I, I don't know that John Horst uh, was, and I, he wasn't hired with the same acclaim that David Stearns was. I think if John Horst cussed his first round pick from a year ago, it's going to be interesting. Seems unlikely that he would do that, but yes, it would be interesting. The book is 100 Things Bucks Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Uh, I've got one last question for you. Sure. 2016, I said. I think I'm, I'll try to recreate what I said on the radio. Okay. And this is like, when did I start hosting? Like week one of BART? Yeah, when I super tried too hard. Sure. You know, just because I was, you know. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I try hard all the time. I'm a try hard. But like, really desperate. Please like me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the show is Chuck and Wicket, and now it's Chuck and Winkler. Yeah. A lot of confidences from the bosses. <laughs> Let's not rock the boat too much. Let's make him think Wicket's still here. <laughs> I think it was pretty clear as soon as you started talking that you weren't Wicket. So, guns blaze and I say, guys, this is a great time in Milwaukee sports. Within the next five years, the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers will all win championships. Woo. And I can't wait to be here with you talking on these airwaves. It's a lot. So the Brewers could win one. Sure. The Packers are in a mess, and the Bucks. I don't know. We'll see how this NLCS goes, but maybe the Bucks are the closest. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think the Brewers are probably still out in front of them just a little bit. Well, yeah, because they're right in it right Correct. now. It, but And this I, is before game three. But, I mean, this is me telling you the Bucks are going to win 50 games this year. The Bucks are going to win their first playoff series since 2001 this year. I don't know how far that goes after that, but I do know that the Celtics made a big run last year and the Bucks took them to seven games. And if they had 
anyone other than Joe Prunty coaching the team, aside from Jason Kidd, I think they probably win game seven and beat the Celtics because in game seven, they decided to stop switching on defense, which was like the one thing that was undeniably good for them. Like made total sense. Yeah. And first quarter, first play, they give up a alley-oop to Al Horford on a pick and roll that they decided to drop. And I just looked around at everyone and I was like, why did they do that? (laughs) but that surely that was a mistake. Like Thon didn't execute what he was supposed to. Like that was a mistake. Next time down, same thing. And I ask again, why? Why did they do that? And they were just poorly coached. So like I think they should have won their first playoff series last year. And you saw the run that the Celtics made. Uh, things get really easy in the playoffs when you have the best player on the floor, and the Bucks had the best player on the floor in Giannis last year. And I, I don't know if you've seen the rest of the Eastern Conference, but the one guy that was undeniably better than Giannis isn't in the East anymore. Right. So every series they go into, they have the best player. Prunty, man. We had him on like after he got hired. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, we talked to him and he kept like laughing as if he was just astonished he was on the radio. <laughs> Joe is maybe <laughs> maybe the nicest guy I've ever dealt with. Like just super nice, really fun, like just very happy to be there. Yeah. But also just like he's he's a lifetime assistant. Like that yeah. that I'm sure, and he's a great assistant. Like Oh geez, so I, me, I get to answer that question. Wow. <laughs> like he's he's just never gonna be a head coach again, which is fine. Like some people are meant to be head coaches and some are meant to be assistants and and that works out. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see how it, how it all goes. I, I think, I think this team's going to be very good this year. I think, and the tough part is figuring out equivalence between baseball and NBA. Like is the bucks would have to win two series to get to where the brewers are. But yeah. also, I don't know if that's a fair thing to expect. Like maybe it is. I think that I guess it's probably fair. Like you got to get to the Eastern Conference Finals if you want to have a good of, of a year as the as the Brewers did. And I don't know if they'll do that, but they're gonna start making some noise and then they're gonna start getting better. So um, I'll say the Brewers are slightly above the Bucks, but somehow in a year they've managed those two teams have managed to flip the Packers to last. Like yeah, I think that's I think that's what we're looking at right now. Um, so yeah, they're they're going in the right direction. You can find his work at The Athletic. Uh, He will be home and road. We will have him on the program throughout the year. Eric Name, appreciate it, good sir. Thanks, buddy.